Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of your life, personal, spiritual and professional. We seek to do this through the Catholic Women's Masterclass, The Genius Podcast, The Genius Academy and our coaching programs for Catholic women. If you would like to find out anything about any of these initiatives, please visit the website www.geniusproject.co. You can also follow us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily. On Monday this week, I reposted a quote from Claire Dwyer. Now, this particular quote really struck a chord with me and clearly struck a chord with all of the women following the journey here at The Genius Project. This particular post has been the most liked, saved, shared and commented on post that we've had here at The Genius Project. So I contacted Claire and I said, hey Claire, this post has really resonated with the hearts of many women. Would you jump on a podcast with me this week to really flesh this out a lot more? And she said, yes. So ladies, this is a very special treat this week where Claire Dwyer joins me to explore this particular post. So if you'd like to know what it is, you're going to have to keep listening and I promise you that you will not be disappointed. So ladies, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode with Claire and I. Well, Claire, welcome back to the Genius Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us at such late notice this week for an episode all the way from Arizona. Thanks for having me, Karen. It's so good to be back. I told you before you pressed record, I just came to listen to your accent. <laughs> well, as I keep telling my US beautiful sisters, I don't think we have one, but apparently you all think we do. Oh, you do. And we love it. We can't get enough of it. We're jealous. It's so funny because when I travel over there, I think, oh my goodness, we sound terrible. <laughs> like not very intelligent and everything next to the US or the UK accent. But other people over there tell me that they think we sound really smart. <laughs> I agree. Oh, it's funny. Well, look, thank you so much for jumping on. For the listeners, Claire has been on the Genius podcast before. She's the author of the book, This Present Paradise, which is beautiful reflections on St. Elizabeth the Trinity. If you haven't listened to that episode, I strongly recommend it. I think, Claire, that book would be in my top seven must reads for Catholic women. So you've made the, the short list, but such a powerful and a beautiful book with so many rich insights. But this week you posted something on your Instagram stories on Monday from a podcast that you did with another motherhood group. I can't remember what was the name of the podcast because I'm sure it was. It, it, you know what it was called? Parenting Smarts with Dr. Mary Ruth Hackett, who's a, actually local in, um, she's in Phoenix as well. And she's got her PhD in like developmental child child development or developmental psychology or something so check her out her podcast it, well it was great I listened to it and I think it's very good this particular episode for mums and motherhood so anyone struggling with motherhood strongly recommend listening to it but you posted in your stories just a very short sentence a statement which really resonated with my heart I said oh Claire that's awesome and then I designed a little tile which I posted and it has been my most liked shared commented on posts that I've had in the Genius Project. So then I messaged you and said, Claire, can we do a podcast about that statement? <laughs> do you have time? So you very graciously have made time in your schedule. So thanks again. Yeah, well, it's funny because it was actually Mary Ruth that pulled that quote. 
Um, and I was telling you, I don't remember even what con what we were talking about or what the context was, but it must have struck her as well because she's the one who pulled that and then posted it. And what you saw on my, um, okay. you know, um, feed was just reposting that. So, so we'll give yeah. her credit. She should be on here uh -huh. too. <laughs> mm -hmm. You should have her on actually. Yeah. I should do that. I will actually follow up because I really enjoyed listening to her, but we should share the statement with everybody for those that haven't seen the post. And I'm really interested to know, I guess, what struck you about that particular statement, because it's resonated with all of the women who are in the Genius Project community and beyond. And it just really captivated my heart. So would you like to share it with the listeners and then give me a little bit of an insight into your thoughts on that statement? Yes. Well, what I said was, if the devil can't destroy you, he will dilute you. Mm -hmm. And by that, I meant um, if, you know, when we get to a certain point in our spiritual journey, um, hopefully, <laughs> and we've totally oriented our life to Christ and we've made a radical yes to him. And we've really come a long way of stripping away some of our, you know, most grievous sins and some of the, you know, the lifestyle choices that we had made that excluded the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and the journey's ongoing. So when I say that where I'm not talking about reaching a state of perfection, just where we are consciously trying to avoid sin. Mm -hmm. Our enemy, his tactics shift at that point, and he knows that we want the good and we want to do God's will. So he presents to us things that are good and that very often look like God's will. Mm -hmm. And he even mimics the consolations that God give us. God gives us a lot of times when we follow his will, like that feeling of peace and joy and excitement. He can mimic that. And so then we say yes to things if we're not discerning, or even if we are trying to be discerning, we can say yes to things that are outside of God's will, but they're good things. Mm. And then he's got us mm. because we are limited creatures and we only have so much time. We only have so much energy. We only have so much capacity for the good. And if we're doing all the wrong goods, then the one thing that we've been uniquely created and designed for and gifted for and our purpose in life, like that thing is not being done. And so then he's one. Yeah. And as long as we're operating in this, doing all these good things, but not the God's will, not the one right thing, yes. um, then he's, then he's run a victory in our life. And we will pay the price for that because things will start to fall apart. Um, and so, you know, that's a spiritual reality and it's definitely something even secular society has picked up on. I mean, there's a lot of books about, saying yes to the right things, saying no to other things, simplifying our life. I mean, it's this whole theme, but our Catholic faith teaches us that there's a very real spiritual reality mm. underneath all of that. And the saints talk about it. St. Ignatius of Loyola um, talked about, he's got these rules for discernment. Mm. And I remember when I was learning about them and, and Father Timothy Gallagher's books on discernment are fantastic and cover all of this. Um, his first set of rules for discernment talk about, you know, discernment earlier in the spiritual life. We never outgrow them, but they, they refer primarily to when we've had a conversion and we're trying to orient our life and weed out sin. 
But then later in the spiritual journey, he has a second set of rules for discernment. And what he talks about is this idea that the devil then presents to us when we discern, we have to realize that he's going to present to us good things and even mimic those consolations. And we have to be aware Mm. that, that the discernment comes, is this the good thing I'm supposed to be doing? Or is it this good thing? So it's two goods, right? Yes. Which can be confusing because we, we can measure good versus bad, like you mentioned, but to weigh up two good things can be quite confusing. Totally. But but St. Ignatius of Loyola is very good, isn't he? And his tools for discernment, which help us to discern between the two goods. Yes. And, uh, you know, it can be confusing and the help of like a wiser mentor or a spiritual director can be invaluable. But the principle is just so important to remember that, you know, when you get to that point in your spiritual life where you only want the good, then he's going to he knows that he's not, you know, he's smarter than us, but he's not creative. Mm -mm. Only God can create. And so all the devil can do is mimic and copy and even copy himself. And so we can recognize his movements. We can know that, oh, this is your same old tricks again. Like you're up to it again, trying to get me distracted, you know, trying to dilute me. I mean, when I say that, I think of like a glass of really good wine. Mm. You know, when I was in Italy, they used to pour water into the wine so you could drink more of it. But man, it didn't taste as good. No, <laughs> it certainly wasn't <laughs> as potent. And that's, you know, it's 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 true for us too. Like we are like a fine wine, and the world, like our taste and our flavor, and the world craves it and needs it. But if we're you know diluting ourselves, then we're really doing you know ourselves a disservice. But the world that so desperately needs what we you know, have to give what God has designed us to give. Absolutely. And I, when you say that, I just, I think of that beautiful quote from Edith Stein, where she says, the world doesn't need what you have. It needs who you are. Like it needs right. your presence. It needs what only you can uniquely bring. And I think when we are spread so thin, we're not doing anything particularly well, but we feel this sense of we're doing the right things. We're doing all these things for God, but are we actually being with God? Is God actually dwelling deep within us so that we are actually able to manifest his glory, his truth, his beauty, his goodness to everybody that we encounter. And I think that discernment, you picked up on this, for women to really discern what it is, what is their individual vocation? What is it that they are uniquely called to bring and to give in the world, in their families, wherever they find themselves? Because when we have a sense of what it is God has put on our heart and what our mission is, then we just are wholeheartedly serving him from that place rather than I need to do a little bit of this or a little bit of that and I don't want to miss out or I feel obliged or all those obligations and the things that drive us as women like you said that takes us away from the mission that God's actually given to us so I think you're picking up on something really important there about discerning well what is it that we're called to do what is it the good what is the good that God wants us to commit to and I think that's a really important point because I see so many women just saying yes to everything (laughs) everything that comes across their path without even a second thought But I think we have to understand that when we say yes to something, we're actually also simultaneously saying no to something else. So that In fact, we're saying no to everything else we could be doing in that one space of time. Mm. Everything else 
you're saying no to automatically. That's right. And without so, even thinking about it. Yes. Right. And, and that often, I don't know about yourself, but in my life, sometimes that ends up being the home, my husband, the children, my own health, my own prayer life. So those things are actually really important because they're our primary vocation. So that actually, the discernment has to come through, I guess, the, the individual vocation where we're being called to serve doesn't come before our primary vocation. So if we're called to religious life or marriage, like that is our primary vocation. So there, there is a pyramid of priorities here in terms of discernment and, and how we can say our yes, where we give our yes to. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on, I guess, how women can be more intentional about where they place their yes. I like to think of a yes as like a ticket. So I'll give you my yes, or I'll give you my yes. And that's sort of a credit for my time, my energy. So I think when we can visualize our yeses as I'm giving somebody or something a ticket to my time and energy, it helps us to be a little bit more intentional about who we give those tickets to. That's right. Do you have any thoughts around that, about how we can be more intentional about our yeses as women, as lay women particularly? Mm -hmm. Definitely some things are easier to discern than others. Like you pointed out our state in life. I mean, and and, and even before that, right, our universal vocation to holiness. So we can automatically rule out anything that's not going to lead us closer to God. It's easier said than done sometimes, but, um, but, but those are, that's a non-negotiable, obviously anything that would significantly compromise our family life or certainly our marriage and our presence to our children is easier to discern. Um, but like you said, even after that, we have our personal vocation. We have that particular way that we are designed to manifest Christ to the world and bring the gospel in a way that only we can. Mm -hmm. And we all have a personal vocation and it is one of the most exciting and rewarding works of our life to discover what that is. And it's a, it's definitely a process. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you're going to figure out on a retreat or by reading one book or, you know, um, it's an unfolding, but that I feel like is where women can really get tricked up. Um, you know, part of it is, you know, sometimes we're tempted to move away from our families. We want to do all these things and we want to be busy volunteering and that the family is suffering. Um, and that we can see and we can course correct. But mm-hmm. what can be harder is when we're doing good things and we don't, we don't notice anything else suffering in our life. We just don't know what we could be doing. We could be missing out on the one great call on our life where we're totally operating in our spiritual gifts, when we are serving the people that God has prepared for us. And, um, and we could be off doing these other good things with our very limited time and never discover fully the woman that we've been created to be. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's just important for women to be aware. You have a vocation that is specific to you. Part of it, not, not all of it, part of it is related to your spiritual gifts and the discovery of that should inform your yeses and your nos Mm. and, um, and living in fully in those gifts and living fully in your personal vocation will be the way that you will find the greatest happiness because it's the way God has designed you to know, love and serve him in this world. 
Yes. And, uh, and it's, it's unique to you. Absolutely. I think what is your thoughts on, I guess, just this comparison trap too, because sometimes, and I particularly this shows up for women in social media, when they're scrolling through those highlights of everybody else's life, they it's it's very tempting to fall into, it's hard not to fall into the comparison trap. But I think what you're picking up on here is if we're solely discerning and focusing on Christ and how he's made us, what he's calling us to. I find that that comparison trap just falls away. So I'm wondering your thoughts on how women can manage, I guess, comparing themselves and their lives to other women's. Mm, Such a good question. Such a temptation for us. It is, isn't it? (laughs) It's such a temptation for us. Um, I am blessed with a very holy bishop here in Phoenix, Bishop Thomas Olmsted, wonderful, holy man, very much a spiritual father. And about, I don't know, about eight, eight years ago or so, we were together at the end of a women's conference. And he was walking me to my car and I commented about how wonderful it was that there were so many women um, in different ministries that had come together for that day. And he stopped me and he said, yes, he said, that was really good. He said, but you, in women's ministry, there must never be any possessiveness. Hmm. And I kind of was taken aback. I mean, he didn't say it like harshly. He wasn't accusing anybody of anything. It was more like, I need to tell you this and you need to listen kind of thing, like a fatherly advice or a word. I look at it as like a word from the Holy Spirit. Um, I didn't know how, what to do with that. I just remembered it. But now that I've been in ministry for almost a decade after that, I know what he meant. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that women, and I think it's, I think it's because of original sin. I think it's because of the way that our nature was distorted after the fall. We have a tendency to like grasp and to want things for ourselves that other women have. Um, I read a quote by Fulton Sheen too, where he said like men have certain tendencies to sin that usually have to do with like infidelity or, you know, but women have a tendency to, to sin that deals with grasping Yes. And wanting what other women have and wanting to possess it and own it. Mm. Um, and so I think that is reflected in sometimes in social media, we look at other women's lives and we want what they have. Yes. Uh, first of all, that's really their life. That is the highlight reel of their life. And it's often filtered. And, and I speak for myself. I will not be showing you every aspect of my life or corner of my house. Or, or in my pajamas. <laughs> I'd probably make you feel a lot better if I did, but I'm not that holy yet. Um And so that, you know, we just have to keep that in mind. We know that, but it's hard when it's right in front of our face. Um, But the other thing is to just remember that that is her particular way of manifesting Christ to the world. And God bless her for it. And you as a woman have another unique way of bringing Christ to the world that she can never have, that nobody else can ever have. You've been gifted and anointed for a purpose 
And it is your privilege to walk with Jesus Christ and figure out what that is. And it will be your greatest joy in life. I think once we realize that we can actually be happy for other people when they're living in their purpose, and if it's manifest in their photographs and their quotes, and they're excited and they want to coach everybody and, you know, do all the things, then praise God. Because when the tide rises, all the ships rise. And when the spirit is moving and when he is anointing and blessing, then your ship's going to rise too. And it might be in a different port, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the Holy spirit will elevate all of us. And in our, in our time and in our place, yeah. we will find the great happiness of living fully the life that he's designed us for. Absolutely. It reminds me of that scripture, you know, all the different parts of the body work together for the whole. And I think it's so true. And I think one of the ways that women can kind of put the brakes on that comparison trap is really to search for and champion the unique gifts in the women around them is to to really find something about another woman and, and be an encourager and that just lifts you beyond yourself John Paul II always said you know we find our joy we find our fulfillment when we seek to make a gift of ourselves so when we are other focused and when we're encouraging and championing the gifts in the person of another woman then those things seem to fall away a lot easier. It's so true. And sometimes those gifts are the more behind the scenes gifts. Mm. Those are more common gifts, but they're also more important. Mm. Like you and I are, can be in front of the camera or on a stage, but we could never do what we do if it wasn't for dozens of people and many of them women who are doing their job, doing it far better than we could do and making these things happen. One of my friends is one of the most gifted and talented women I know. Also like one of the most spiritually and physically beautiful women I know. And she has the gift of craftsmanship, which is like creating beauty creating beauty at whether it's designing jewelry or, you know, decorating a home, but uh, and the way she makes cookies, can I just say, you do not want to eat these cookies. You want to like put them in a, like a box cover on it. Like they're so beautiful, but she just, she um, arranges the flowers on the altar at our parish. When they found out what her talents at the parish, they asked her to do it. And all of a sudden, everybody was like, wow, the altar looks amazing. She's saving the parish thousands of dollars a week. It looks, it looks incredibly beautiful. It, it lifts our hearts, you know, even more to the Lord when you walk into the church. But nobody will ever see her do that. Mm. She's doing it like, you know, on Saturday afternoon with her baby strapped to her back quietly. And it's all behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, But she's so happy and she's so gifted and she's so talented. And, you know, we are so blessed by those gifts. Mm. I do not have those gifts. Mm. (laughs) I do not. I just, oh my goodness. Um, Another example I'll give you is for a while, I was volunteering at my parish leading women's ministry. And so I was teaching and I was really enjoying the fellowship. And we had this thriving women's group. Well, the parish saw that and thought, well, let's offer Claire a job because clearly she's that got these gifts of leadership and we can have her running retreats and like or uh, coordinating adult faith formation is the title. <laughs> well, coordinator is code word for administrator. Right? And that's not your gift. <laughs> and I can tell you right now. <laughs> not a gift that I have when administrators lead groups, they delegate, they oversee yeah. things. They're very detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
That is not clear. (laughs) (laughs) I was miserable. I was honored to be asked. And I was working, like I was organizing retreats for my parish. So I actually felt guilty that I wasn't happy. (laughs) I was like, what's wrong with me? I'm working at a parish that I love with people that I love doing good things for the Lord. Mm. But it wasn't the right things. And so eventually I had to discern, you know, and my family was suffering because I was suffering because I wasn't happy. I was kind of limping along every day Mm. and feeling bad about it and feeling there was something wrong with me. And when I really looked at my gifts and what they were and what they weren't, and I said, okay, Lord, I think I'm outside of your will. And when I had the opportunity to take a job doing more writing and editing and, and um, ministering in that way, it was easy for me to say yes. And so there's flow when we're operating in our gifts, there is that flow, isn't there? And that joy that comes because it comes more naturally we're very aligned then like our talents and our mission come together and it just seems to flow and work so true doesn't mean it's not hard sometimes but overall when you look at it in the big picture you recognize that there is an ease to it because it's not just you Mm. because when we say spiritual gifts we're talking about something that's been elevated by the power of the holy spirit so it goes beyond your natural talents it goes beyond the things that you're just kind of good at or that, you know, were hereditary. But this is, this is the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you in your baptism, confirmed in your confirmation and strengthened in that sacrament, and then released in our life continuously and on an ever deeper level, every time we deepen our yes to God, those gifts are released even more. Mm-hmm. So you might notice throughout your life that as you grow closer to the Lord, um, your gifts also grow and your heart expands and your capacities become even bigger. And that's just part of, you know, full Christian maturity. Mm. Um, I was going to say too that in that, in the documents of Vatican II, it says over and over, and we believe this, these were actually the words of Pope John Paul II that was, you know, um, there at Vatican II, it is Jesus Christ who reveals man to himself. And so the closer that we get to the Lord and the, you know, the deeper that our walk with him becomes and the richer that our prayer life becomes, um, the more we will know God, of course, but through that relationship, the more we will know ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting, listening to this and wondering, well, that sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have any gifts or. I, I, one woman said to me recently, she listened to the, to uh, the, this, I was part of a Catholic women's conference, virtual Catholic women's conference, and it was on the spiritual gifts. And she said, I heard your talk. And I said, awesome, Margie, what are your gifts? And she said, I've given them all away. I have nothing. (laughs) 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 And she was kind of joking. She's a grandmother of many, you know, she's she's given our diocese, one of his, our greatest (laughs) priests. But it was just funny to hear her say that because I was like, no, 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 your gifts become more. And it's so true. She has many gifts. But if you're listening and you're feeling like that woman who has nothing left to give or hasn't discovered where that is, and you think that every woman must have it, but maybe you were forgotten, um, that is not true. And there are certain things you can do to discover your gifts. You know, there's inventories and books and things that can begin the conversation with God. But ultimately, the way to know yourself is to grow closer to the Lord to commit to a daily prayer time with him and ask him to show you who you are and who he's made you to be and how he desires you to 
you know, build up the body of Christ. Mm, Beautiful. So, so true. And I think coming back to where we started, we started talking about that quote that if the devil can't destroy you, he can dilute you. And I think one of the ways he dilutes us is to scatter us so thin. And sometimes we're so busy doing for God that we forget to be with God and tying in with what you were just saying. It's returning to that that really deep cultivation of a rich interior life, because when we're creating that space for the Holy Spirit to dwell, we just become, I think we do come alive. And I think the Lord does reveal to us the areas that he wants us to serve. And we hear his voice clearer when we're, we're having time with him. And that word dilution, I know that before we pressed record, we were talking about, um, you were talking about another priest who used the word diminishment And I was wondering if you could maybe just flesh that out a little bit, because where I'd like to go with this is just to highlight the fact that everything we do and go through in life from being comparing ourselves to other women to feeling inadequate and that we're not enough as women, because I think that is a real, a universal soundtrack that runs in the hearts and minds of so many women that they feel that they're too much or that they're not enough. But all of these things from our challenges with our spouse to our children to irritations with our boss to all of this is playing before a much bigger backdrop. And that backdrop is this spiritual battle for our hearts and minds. And so, yes, it's fabulous that as women we serve and we do beautiful works for the Lord. But really, he doesn't necessarily want those works. What he wants is our heart and he wants to fill us with his presence. And so I'd love to just dive into, I guess, this idea and exploring and unfolding, I guess, for the women, this idea of the spiritual battlefield that is happening for so many of us every day. Your quote about the devil not destroying you, yes, there is a spiritual battle going on for the hearts and souls of people who are not yet converted to the Lord. And so that shows up with different life choices that they make that can take them down a very dark path. But once people like you and I have been walking the Catholic faith for a long time, as you said at the beginning, Satan's tactics change. So he knows that he can't destroy us, but he can try and distract us, dilute us, diminish us in so many ways. And I love this scripture, 2 Corinthians 2.11, and there's so many different variations of this scripture, which I'd just love to pick up on before I throw to you, Claire. But in scripture, it says, in order that Satan might not outwit us because we are not unaware of his schemes. Another translation is we're not ignorant of his devices, for we are familiar with his ways. Um, All of these things are saying that we, we can come to know how Satan might try and distract us and that the Lord is actually greater than anything that Satan can throw at us. And so it's just returning to that prayer life, I think. It's, it's really cultivating that um, and not giving the devil a foothold in our life. And that's, that's scriptural. Just do not give the devil a foothold. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. In order to draw near to God, we need to spend and cultivate time with the Lord. So that's a kind of a a little rabbit trail there. But coming back to this word of um, being diluted and then that diminishment, can you take us a little further with that idea? Yeah, totally. Well, to to develop what you're saying and, and to develop the scripture quote, you know, it's this idea that we can know our enemy. He can, we can recognize him sometimes, um, we recognize him after the fact yes. and the Lord allows those things for our humility 
and he allows them to show us, you know, our own littleness and our dependency on him. So sometimes it's after the fact, but, but these things can be known and recognized and the writings of the saints and the wisdom of the church and certainly scripture itself are things that we need to, to fill our mind and our heart with. And we don't walk around afraid and we don't walk around like defensive, but we should walk around aware and awake and be ready to rebuke certainly, you know, temptations or evil thoughts when they come up. Um, but also be able to discern Mm -hmm. and discerning the voice of God. Like you said, Karen, it really begins with spending time with him because the mimicry of our enemy gets more subtle, the closer we get to the Lord, Mm -hmm. the closer we get to the Lord, the more intimate we are with him, the more we know him, the more the enemy's voice has to sound like him. Otherwise we're like, you know, get behind me, Satan. Like I know what you're doing. But he will not rest. You know, he will not rest. He would love to claim us. He would love to take our families and our children. He -hmm. would love to not have us ministering to the people that so desperately need to hear the gospel in this particular way that we bring it to the world. Right. And so he, you know, his voice will sound sometimes like a good voice, like St. Ignatius would say, like an angel of light, or maybe that's St. Teresa of Avila, who also said the same thing. I, I was starting to say that before. In her um, book, The Interior Castle, as she's describing these successive like rooms or chambers in, in our interior life. And in, in the idea is that as you enter the out, outermost rooms, when you say yes to the Lord and you begin a life of prayer, and then you successively grow deeper and deeper and you're walking through these rooms. And then in the innermost chamber, there's the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, she's like, I think it's in like room five out of seven or something. And of course it's not successive. And this is just an allegory, yes. but the idea is after so many rooms, the enemy appears as an angel of light. He doesn't appear as like the little snakes and serpents that are in the first rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, he's too smart for that. Like we kick that toad to the curb. You know, we don't want to have anything to do with that. We want to serve the Lord. And so he will appear as something good and beautiful in order to allure us away. Mm-hmm. Um, or he will try to, but we can still recognize his voice. It is not the Lord's. It may sound like the Lord's, but it is not his. And we have to draw near to the Lord in prayer, spend time with scripture. We know that's God's voice. So if it's not in the line with scripture and it's not in the line, what God has revealed to us about our life, then there's something off about that. Something to be very carefully discerned and more than likely something to say no to mm-hmm. and to put some boundaries around. Um, yeah. And then, and then also to continue discerning, like when we say yes to something, um, we always want to keep evaluating, like what is happening in my life. So you brought up the, the term diminishment. Mm. And that is something that I read about in some of the works of Father Timothy Gallagher, who really breaks down those rules of St. Ignatius for the average person. And he does a great job of kind of distilling this and like making it accessible for us. Um, And so I heard, you know, he was writing about this idea of diminishment and he was doing it in the context of discernment. And so he, he was saying, it's basically that idea of dilution. Mm -hmm. If you are trying to follow the Lord, trying to do his will and trying to um, figure out what exactly that is, you look in your life 
for signs that you are being diminished or that your mission is being diminished. So he gives an example of a pastor who had a thriving parish and he was an amazing orator and gave these great homilies and everybody loved them. And he was inspiring his people and the parish was thriving and people were coming from all over to hear him preach. So he had the opportunity to then have a speaking career and evangelize the masses. And he was traveling all over and speaking and he was changing lives and hearts. And it was amazing, but his parish started to suffer and there was infighting on the parish council and the school parents were fighting. And like, there was trouble with the school. And the point that Father Gallagher was making was that the discernment was wrong because there, this priest had to know without a doubt, his bishop had asked him to be pastor. He didn't have to discern that. So if, that, if his ministry as a pastor was being diminished by this other speaking career that he was having, yes. then then, okay, now we discern, wait a minute, was I saying yes to a good thing that was not the good thing? Mm. and um and it's you know I think we can relate to that immediately Mm. as women if we have a family at home you know or we have or we have people that we're caring for whether they're elderly parents or you know whatever God whatever God has given us in our life that we know we don't have to discern like these are the people that God is is and we're serving God when we're serving them right like this is this are the people that he's that he's in and that he's given us in our life if our ministry to them and our care of them is being diminished, if our self-care is being diminished to the point that we are good for nothing and good for nobody, because mm-hmm. self-sacrifice is a real thing, but um, to the point where we're it run can, down and ragged. It like can go food, too far the other way. Because totally go too I far. Think, you know, as women, we are the perpetual givers, this beautiful quality of the feminine genius being generosity, but we can only give what we possess. And that's not a selfish thing, but we give out of the abundance. So if we are run dry, we don't have anything left to give. And then we're resentful and we're snappy and we're irritable with those around us. That's not the Lord's will for us. So I think there is a discernment here also around, I guess, nurturing our soul, nurturing our body, our minds, taking care of ourselves so that we have something to give others. And we don't always have to be saying yes. I think women really need to hear that and to be given permission that you actually don't always have to say yes. Yes, because like we said, by not saying yes to that opportunity or that person, by making a discerning no, you are saying yes. Absolutely. You are by default saying yes to something that you have figured out is more important. Mm. And bravo, because that that's a huge step when we start to recognize that our no's are actually a greater yes and that our no's are protecting something. They're not saying no to something. They're actually protecting what is most important in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what came to mind when you were talking about that quality of a woman that naturally wants to say yes Mm -hmm. uh, for many of us, it, I was thinking about how, again, there's our enemy he can't make us into something else. So he will twist what is good about us and he will twist what is best about us and distort it in order to diminish and destroy us, you know, in the end. So just to recognize that these qualities about us are good. Yes. And but 
taken too far or used the wrong way, then they become, you know, devastating. Well, I often call it the redeemed and the unredeemed side of our gift or our personality. So the redeemed side is the generosity. The unredeemed side is that perpetual giving without regard for your own well-being. And I think that's also really important to discern, just the redeemed, the unredeemed side of our gifts and who we are and always holding that up under the light of the Holy Spirit. And and the other thing I wanted to touch on here, when you shared that story about the the priest and his preaching, I remember a number of years ago, we couldn't have kids for six years, then we had three in three years, and I was pregnant with the third, and it was like God said, you wanted to be pregnant, here you go, and I threw up for nine months, I was hospitalized multiple times, They all had reflux and didn't sleep for a year. So it was quite a blur of a season. And and I was starting to speak a lot more sort of when the kids were very little. And I constantly had this war going on between me. I can either be a mum or I can be a speaker. And it was this battle that kept happening and trying to discern which way, which where do I put my yeses here and that internal conflict that would constantly take place. And I remember, I think I was pregnant with my youngest daughter and I finally decided that I would only accept three speaking engagements a year because I just couldn't do it. Being sleep deprived, I actually had to really plan and prepare because my brain would just go blank when I'd stand up in front of people. But, and and there was a part of me, that little voice that was saying, yes, but then people will forget who you are or, you know, you'll lose your gift or your confidence if you're not keeping your hand in the game and I really just I was in adoration I was like well this is what I'm capable of and I do feel called to keep serving you in some capacity so I limited it to a couple of engagements a year and the fruit was so good for me being a mother to little children being home primarily with them and then you know now I look back and I think there was nothing to worry about because the Lord already had it all planned So I think he really does want us to, as we discern where we place our yeses, once we've done that, to really surrender the outcome to him. And I will say, you know, I I have a similar story too, where you just kind of have to let things Mm. die a little bit Mm. for the greater, you know, the greater good. But the suffering of that surrender, because it is a suffering, I mean, it's a sacrifice. We're giving up a good thing, something that brings us life. Mm. Um, And we do it joyfully because we do it for those that we love. And and what a grace that God gives us this love for these people that need us so desperately, (laughs) even when they're not sleeping or especially when they're not sleeping. But I firmly believe, Karen, that the fruit of your ministry now is an anointing from that willing sacrifice earlier. And I believe this, not just for you, but for every woman that has surrendered something to the Lord for a greater good, that it may not look the way that you think it's going to look, but in some way, the Lord is going to bless that sacrifice and anoint your ministry and your mission down the road. And the exact anointing will be the oil of that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Um, Think of an olive in a press being crushed you know, through suffering. And it is that oil from that olive that will be used to anoint your family and your ministry and all of those and all of that that is entrusted to you. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that. Mm 
And when we step outside of God's will and knowingly try to grasp and claim what does not belong to us or what is outside of God's time frame, there can be no long-term fruit. We've disconnected ourselves from the vine. Yeah. You know, it, it, if there's, if it looks like there's fruit, it's a deception. Mm. So if you look at, if you look at somebody and they have said no to the holiest and most important things in life, and it looks like they're happy and they're successful and they have it all, they might even think they do, but I guarantee if they've separated themselves from the vine, there will be no lasting fruit. There will be no true joy. There will be no, you know, union with God, which is what we were designed for and created for. Mm. So true, Claire. So beautiful. Thank you. That's um, it's just there's so much goodness in here. <laughs> we could keep going all day, <laughs> but I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think also just co-discerning if you're married with your spouse often, like if I think that's a real key. I know there's times where I felt, or Jonathan has felt something and we've co-discerned together and the other person's just been like, no, like last year, there was something that I was, I really wanted to do. And it was, looked like a really great opportunity. And, and Jonathan was just really strong. No. Now my husband, I'm very blessed because he's my biggest champion. He has always pushed me forward. He will cover me, pay for, do whatever, if it's, you know, we're on the same page. So for him to have a really strong, no, I was like, okay, I really trust the Holy spirit and surrendered it. And thank goodness, because the fruit of that thing for that particular group fell apart. And I was really grateful not to be a part of that because there was other things happening behind the scenes. So it's interesting. I think it's really important that we're co-discerning with our spouse. I know people who have pushed ahead in marriage and the other partner who has a prayer life as well has not been on the same page. And it's like that scripture, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so I think we're seeing this culture emerge of just um, self-fulfillment, go after your dreams, be the best version of who you can be. And yes, all of those things, like you said, are good things. But when we're doing that at the expense of our family, which I actually do see in the lives of, of many women, actually, then we really need to come back to this message and to really reflect and ask the Holy Spirit to help us discern what we're giving our yes to. I think it's part of the grace of the sacrament of marriage. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our spouse is speaking directly the wisdom of the Lord and not even knowing it. Mm -hmm. um, I will. And I, that's been true in my life too. Sometimes I don't understand, or even my husband doesn't understand why this just does not seem right. But the Lord, especially with big decisions yes. does seem to want to work through our marriage and to reveal his will to us through our marriage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like he wants to manifest his will outside of that relationship. Like, I'm going to tell this to you, but you're going to keep your husband in the dark or something like that. It just, I think that I do, I really do think that's part of one of the, of the grace of marriage, especially when both spouses are, are living the faith. I would love your advice just for those women whose husbands aren't on the same page, because that's a different challenge entirely where. Um, a woman might have a dream and she's walking in the faith, but the husband's really against the faith or against what she wants to do. What would be your advice to her? I, I still think, especially if you have a sacramental marriage, I still think the Lord will reveal his will through that spousal relationship. Mm -hmm. That can be kind of hard to hear, but it would be hard. I would be hard pressed to think of an example 
of somebody who went against the wishes of her spouse and pushed against that in order to plow ahead for something that she felt like God's was God's will for her life. Yeah. Um, that would definitely be something to talk to a spiritual director or a wise mentor about, because that would be a particularly painful cross, mm. you know, to desire to do something, to do something good, to do something you feel called to and not feel the support of your spouse. Um, and not, not necessarily to give up on it, not, not to stop praying that when the time is right, those doors will open. Uh, but you know, your marriage that again, like we said, that's something you don't have to discern, Mm. right? If you are married, then God's will is for you to make that a priority. And if making that a priority means setting aside some of those goals or dreams until your spouse is on board, um, Mm. you know, that's a difficult cross and a very heavy burden. But again, I think it's part of that sanctification process. Like ultimately, even more than us living our goals and, you know, living our dreams or um, to put it in more spiritual terms to living in our gift or living out our calling, even more than that, God wants a relationship with us. Yes. He does. And oftentimes that relationship comes through deep suffering and a lot of surrender and a lot of humility. I mean, the saints will tell you, like, Mm -hmm. if you don't have surrender and humility, you can't even, you, there's nowhere to begin. There's nothing to build on. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a season of life where you are surrendered and you have to be humble and you, and it feels very low, like that could actually be God's invitation to, to bring you deeper into relationship with him, which is the whole point of the spiritual journey. Yes. You know, yes. it's not to conquer kingdoms. It's that God, we allow God to conquer our hearts. Mm-hmm. So for that woman who's suffering that particular cross, you could take that to prayer. Maybe is God asking you to draw near to him in that suffering mm-hmm. um, and, and to not, to not give up on, you know, not give up on goals and hopes and dreams, but to wait for God to open the doors and not to try to force it. Mm. And I think what you said there is the invitation, which we always talk about when we do relationships education, that sometimes what seems or appears to be an obstacle is in fact an invitation. It's an invitation to grow in holiness, to become a saint where we're planted. So, so beautifully so. said. Yes. Claire, thank you 100% so much. 100% agree. Oh, I love you. Can you <laughs> My sister across the world. <laughs> we, um, when I talked to Laura Rowland, she's like saying hello across the pond. <laughs> I said it's a very big pond. <laughs> but thank you so much, Claire, for your time and just a cheeky question on the end. Have you got any more books coming? Because we loved the last one. Oh, yeah. Well, didn't I tell you? I think I was telling you I'm working on one on Edith Stein. I but wasn't with sure working, if you were about to say Working it. is very, I'm under contract. I'm oh, very good. And I need to get busy. So if anybody wants a prayer intention, All you right. can we will pray, pray for this. Book. I'm Crazy. so excited. I have to say no. <laughs> to some things coming up in the very near future to make a greater yes. So speaking of discernment. (laughs) Well, thank you for saying yes to this podcast thing because I know you're so busy and so looking forward to your book. Edith Stein's one of my favorites. I think she'd be my patron saint. Uh, Having studied feminine genius at the Pontifical Institute, that was what I really specialized in and did a lot of work. I was trying to find those notes for you 
Onita. I know you were. You you said some gem of a thing, oh. like, and I was like, where is that? Well, like, I dug up under the house on my old folders, and I couldn't find it. It will be on one computer, which I can't access. So anyway, hopefully, it will still turn up. If it does, I'll send it over. But right. well, Holy Spirit, you heard that. <laughs> we'll we'll wait for you. Excellent. Well, God bless. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to find out more about Claire's work, you can find her on her website, www.eventhesparrow.com. Sometimes in life, we can find ourselves spinning in our own story. And as we talked about in this week's podcast, the enemy can really come in to steal, kill and destroy our lives in so many subtle ways. Ladies, if you are spinning in your own story or if you need some help overcoming some of those negative mindsets and patterns and really be renewed by the transformation of your mind, can I invite you to take a look at our new Catholic coaching programs for Catholic women available at The Genius Project. You can find out about our coaching packages at www.geniusproject.co. In other exciting news, ladies, I wanted to let you know that the doors to the Catholic Women's Masterclass are now open. We will be kicking off a new intake for the Masterclass in just a couple of weeks. I won't be running another one for many, many months. So if you are interested, can I invite you to take a look once again on the website, www geniusproject.co and check out the masterclass page. This is a four month journey of transformation where we deep dive into how you can establish some rhythms of renewal. You will get access to the video modules and workbook as well as fortnightly group coaching sessions throughout the four months. The women who have been through these masterclass have said it has been an invaluable experience of not only being in community and sisterhood with other women, but that it was exactly what they needed to kickstart a change and a renewal in their life. This masterclass is a beautiful experience where you can deep dive into establishing some rhythms of renewal that will see you living a life of wholeness and balance in Christ and stepping into the fullness of who he has created you to be. Ladies, if you've enjoyed this episode, can I invite you to share the link with your friends and to leave a review on our podcast platform. This helps to spread the word and promote the work here at The Genius Project for Catholic Women. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week. God bless you. And seriously, you are going to want to tune in next week because have I got a special guest for you. I am super excited. Not going to share who it is. I can't wait to see you back here on the Genius Podcast next week. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.